0: welcome to the trust your gut podcast i'm your host demi fair here we dive into the world of the mind body connection exploring the gut brain axis microbiome and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit if you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms then this is the place for you join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine But also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello, and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut Podcast so i have been doing this travel story series and there's been a bit of a pause on recording and publishing because i last minute decided to go to burning man and i actually had the intention to start this episode today continuing the travel story series and as i mentioned the burning man thing i was kind of hit with this feeling that i actually did want to talk about burning man i wasn't sure if it was something i wanted to share about just because it's my own personal experience and i don't need to share about every single thing that i do and I don't, but I feel like the media really brought a lot of attention onto Burning Man this year, and I think it's a really valuable thing to talk about from a lot of different aspects, and I also think there's things to share about my experience there that really apply to a lot of the topics that I talk about on this podcast, and the podcast itself is just a really beautiful place to share about stories, you know, so I am going to... Share about my Burning Man experience here in this episode today and also see what else emerges from just life in general since it's all interwoven for me. And then we'll continue on with the travel story series after this brief episode interlude. So Burning Man has been something that I have felt drawn to for a really long time, but it just never lined up either. I was just gone traveling didn't get tickets, etc. And earlier this year, if you've listened to the episodes on life has been testing me lately, when I was just going through that bit of a rough patch, I remember thinking, you know, this is going to be my year to go to Burning Man. And really that just came from this like simple thought of, oh, I'm going to be going to Australia, New Zealand. I'm going to miss... The festivals I might want to go to, but I won't miss Burning Man. So maybe this is the year. It was a very simple thought. It wasn't this like I have this strong spiritual pull to Burning Man this year. Um, but I just remember really confidently saying that. And I, I do, um, or at least in the last few years, I've started to go to more and more festivals. Uh, they're they're very in alignment with me and the kind of vibe and community that I like. I I like particular kinds of festivals. Um, And so from what I knew about Burning Man, I knew it was definitely um, in alignment with what I tend to enjoy. So I had been down under, I came back, I went to a different festival called Shambhala, it's a really beautiful festival up in Nelson, BC. Um, with a great group of people, and I thought, okay, I did my festival of the year like probably not gonna go to Burning Man. you know, I hadn't gotten any tickets at that point. And so I just kind of let it go. And then some friends here, you know, ended up getting tickets and we're talking about their experience last year and it kind of like you know the the seed <laughs> was watered a little bit again and I was like, oh man, that sounds amazing. I, I really want to go next year. I really hope I can make it next year like, You know, because from, you know, what I understood, it was a lot of work to go there. You know, there's a very harsh environment you're living in. You need to be totally self-reliant, bring all your own water, everything that you are going to need. And it's not as quote unquote easy as some of these other festivals I might do. So I, again, wrote it off as like, oh, well, that's just not going to happen. Then some tickets came through. I had signed up for this ticket exchange way back in like March or April when I tried to get tickets and suddenly tickets came through and my immediate response was no there's no way I can do this like I that's like two weeks away and so I denied the tickets but it caused me to kind of ask friends again about it just and I started to just get a lot of support people telling me that They knew I could get my stuff together. I can make it happen. Here's all the ways you can do it. And my initial feeling was there's no way and I have a lot to do for work and et cetera, et cetera. But like something just, I couldn't totally let go of it. And (laughs) let's be real. Some of that's my OCD. Um, And I know I've alluded to OCD uh, in this podcast and That's something that I'm have started to understand more and more, Um, and someday I'll probably do a fuller episode on OCD because I'm starting to understand the different subtypes and everything. Um, But for so much of my life, I just thought I had anxiety and like troubles making decisions and like FOMO. But what I've come to understand is that I have um, a lot of trouble with like mental obsessions and rumination and so um, they tend to really be revolved around decision making and I really struggle with FOMO and I'll ruminate on something like kind of analyzing the decision because I want to make the perfect best decision and I think that is a protective mechanism I developed early on as a way to feel in control and feel safe and so is the rumination and so I will kind of get lost in that sometimes around decisions. And then the compulsion comes in when I start to go researching and looking things up. And I do want to share um, more honestly and vulnerably about this at some point, because I think this could be really, really valuable for other people who might experience this, like giving some examples of what I struggle with. Um, because honestly, I've felt really crazy at times and felt like, oh, no one else totally understands this. Um, and this is interwoven in my experience with Bernie Man. So we'll see what kind of emerges now, but maybe this calls for a different, more personal, vulnerable episode. So definitely a little rumination and, you know, a compulsion going on of looking at like Facebook groups and figuring things out but at the same time I, I kept it really easeful I was like you know what if it's if it's the right thing for me and things line up and it's you know somewhat easeful because I don't think going to Bernie Man is easeful but if it's easeful enough then I'll go and part of that was like I need to find the proper kind of tent I need a bike and you know okay, I need to get a ticket. All these tickets became available this year more than normal and for under face value because the financial part was a big burden for me as well. It's expensive to go. Ultimately, what happened is I ended up being gifted a ticket and someone actually gave me a tent and I was able to borrow a bike and a friend from town was able, I was able to carpool with them and then I just had to, you know, gather a couple um, supplies further that I needed and I have a lot of stuff to you know, be out camping and a lot of experience which you'll hear later in the travel stories of you know being self-supported out in the mountains for 10 days and whatnot so I felt confident in my resourcefulness and my you know radical self-reliance and whatnot and everything just lined up and it was like okay I'm going <laughs> So um, that's kind of how it all emerged and why I went last minute. And yes, I got all my stuff together in three days. So um, just in terms of my experience there, um, the first night I arrived, I didn't get to my camp till midnight. And I had to set up my tent by myself. I was hoping friends from camp would be there or come back, but that wasn't the case. And this tent was not easy to set up alone. It is not a one-person job. It took me an hour and 15 minutes, sledgehamming rebar into the ground. And then the bike tire I had was flat. The tool that was on the bike did not work for getting the, the tire off. These are not big deals, okay? But I had my first breakdown then because I was tired, I had just set up all this stuff by myself. We had two long travel days. All I wanted to do was get on my bike and like ride out onto the playa and see what the hell was going on here because I had driven through the camps and my my mouth was just open and my eyes wide like, what is this? Um, Campmates came back. Helped me get my tire together and then we rode out. And yes, when you first ride out on that playa, oh my God, it is the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. And, you know, I've been to quite a few great festivals that I thought had like amazing lights and stages and it just like blew it all out of the water. You're just like, what is this? So I ended up just like riding around and taking it all in and truly that became my favorite part of the experience was just riding my bike around, especially at night on the playa where you have these crazy art cars. You know, some are so big and intricate, some are just little and adorable, just kind of this whole gamut of these art cars that are roaming around and they pull up to these art installations or a couple of them will gather in a cluster and you're like, in this little environment for a bit that kind of creates its own little stage and there's music playing and then the art cars will move on and that will never be again. That configuration, that little environment, that little stage will never be again. There's so much impermanence there. And so every day is so different. And I just love that about it. Like just seeing all the different things that would be created and then gone. And you just ride around and you'd come across like, every day you'd be like, wow, there's, I, I haven't seen this art yet. Whoa. Okay. There's this art, this art. Whoa. I haven't seen that car yet. And you just kind of follow whatever called to you. Um, and it was just always like the most creative, mind blowing things I've ever seen. So that was just such a spectacular piece, like the level of creativity that is there is so special. And I mean, there's really no other place on earth like this. There isn't. There's no other experience on earth like this. This is such a unique, special, special thing. So probably within the first day, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a burner. Like just as I knew so much of it in alignment with me and how I like to live and what I value and what I believe in and and beginning to experience it. It was like, oh, I'm coming every year. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I do believe I will go many, many more times and would love to be more involved in a camp, an art car, teaching workshops, whatever it may be. So... The other thing that really, really struck me was the culture. There's, you know, 70,000, 80,000 people there. I don't know the actual number. I keep hearing a bunch of different numbers. You're going to have a variety of people and personalities. But everybody I encountered and, like, majority of the energy I felt from everyone around me and everything that I witnessed There was so much presence and openness and intention and love and taking care of each other and authentic expression and full creative expression. It really helped inspire my view of humanity again, which is a really nice thing these days. If we lived like that more, and not the, like, we don't need to live with, like, crazy art stuff going on on the playa every night and parties, but just that level of presence, love, openness, authentic expression, creativity, coming together and building things, coming together and sharing your gifts and your creativity, taking care of each other, if we, and, like, acceptance of who the hell you are, no matter what, like, celebration of each other's authentic full expression like if we lived like that in the what they call the default world man the world would be a better place you know and I was so moved by that like there was one night um what we were up through sunrise which is such a beautiful time out there and we were at this um set of Tycho you might know Tycho and there was all these art cars gathered around and I just saw all these people taking care of each other um and some of that was like feeding each other like people out there making pancakes or grilled cheese or pizza or coffee or mimosas or whatever you might want and you would come across that everywhere right like there's so much giving and sometimes you just find someone making food in the middle of the night in the deep playa or something. And, and I thought this was like the sun coming up, there was people like skydiving in and doing some weird like hovercraft thing and people flying kites and dancing and cuddling and loving on each other and taking care of each other and feeding each other. And I was like, wow, this is so, so beautiful. Um, I just don't think we see that at such a big scale, right? People do that in their families and in their communities, but to see this on such a big scale, is just so, so moving. Um, And I made my way to the temple that morning, and the temple is a place where people bring often like photos, memorabilia. They write all over the walls, and it's often about people they've lost and the grief that they're holding on to, but sometimes it's about things that they want to let go of and release in themselves, and at the end of the week, the temple gets burned, and it's this beautiful beautiful space where everyone's silent and as you walk in you you feel all that emotion and that morning I really I really felt that and um the next day I felt like so moved by that experience I ended up coming across the Philharmonic Orchestra that they have there in the Black Rock City who were playing and the last song they played was Bohemian Rhapsody and everyone was singing together and got you know stood up and it was like really powerful. And once they finished, there was this art car right next to it where these two people started to get married and it was the art car that they ran. And I just watched their wedding and cried. It was just really, really beautiful and moving. And then a beautiful, um, you know, DJ came on after playing this really beautiful music. And, you know, that's kind of just an example of what the different things you might stumble across. And, just how much like love you can feel there. So that was a that was a big thing that really moved me about Burning Man. Um, another beautiful thing is you know there's lots of workshops. There's a lot going on, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, and I saw that a couple teachers that I've been following for many years, who I really enjoy their work, who are pretty well known or renowned and I'm sure a workshop with them would be very expensive. you know we're teaching. And so I made a point to make it to at least three of those. and that was such a cool aspect to like sit and workshop with these teachers I've been following and really admiring their work and even get to go up and meet them afterwards. You know there's no like hierarchy really. Um, and that was a really, really special thing. One thing about it that was really beneficial for me was that there is so much going on. Like you get a little booklet when you get there of like all the things that just the camps are offering, just the camps, not anything else going on on the playa with the art cars. And you start to look through it and you're immediately overwhelmed. There's just way too much going on all the time. And when I was you know preparing to go people told me you can't really plan like don't try to plan or stick to a schedule you know you're going to be immediately overwhelmed trying to even look at what's being offered really the best thing to do is just like trust that you're going to be in the right place at the right time or you know you're going to be where you need to be and just like allow yourself to kind of flow around and see what calls to you and follow it and so besides like really planning on those specific Workshops, or maybe catching a friend's set or, you know, you know, that certain sunrise set or whatever. There was a couple things I knew I wanted to get to. Otherwise, it was like, you gotta just let it be. <laughs> and just like really trust you're just gonna end up where you need to end up. And for me, dealing with FOMO and indecision and that OCD around those things, that can be a bit challenging. And I found myself, you know, at times, I think wanting to like see as much as I could because <laughs> that's how I am. And yeah, I quickly, you know, started to embrace JOMO, joy of missing out. Just really understanding that there's so much going on. There's going to be so much I miss out on. There's going to be so much I miss out on. And if I try to make it to all, I'm probably going to miss out on more. There's a saying there, don't leave fun for fun. And I really like that one and I want to bring it into my life because I could be somewhere having fun and I might start to think, well, would I have more fun going over to this thing or doing this thing? You know? And you might go to that thing and do that and realize, oh, this wasn't as fun as where I was at. But now you've left that place. And... This is in alignment with something I've been working on with a therapist. I've recently started to see. I've, I've found an OCD specialist because this is an area of my life that feels like uh, I really want to work on right now and just learn how better tools for moving through that rumination. And, you know, one thing we work on is just like identifying okay, I want to make the perfect decision right now, but I don't have 100% certainty there is no perfect decision, right? Either decision, like maybe I, maybe it's the right decision, maybe not. And often that's super true, right? Like I might go off to this other thing and it might be, oh yeah, that was the best choice. Or maybe not. I might go and be like, oh, this sucks. And most decisions are gonna have pros and cons either way. And there's often not one perfect decision, right decision. If there was, you'd probably know what that is, right? So it's about just going with what feels right in the moment and most in alignment. Now, what happens for my OCD brain is even when I make the decision and I start to go in that direction, I'm still analyzing it and I'm still wondering about the other choice. And then I might go and look for proof like by looking something up or asking someone how it was to see if I did make the right choice or not. So um, it was a really good practice in learning how to miss out and find joy in that and to let go of things like okay, I'm not gonna make it to that workshop, or I'm riding around and I'm I'm not gonna make it over there to that thing that looks interesting, or I thought I wanted to go to this camp, but you know what, I'm not gonna make it there. And sometimes too, it's like, I gotta listen to my body and I'm exhausted, I need to go to bed. And like, oh, I wanna stay out, there's all these fun, nope, I, I, I need to listen to that, I'm gonna, I need to miss out on the evening or whatever. And so it ended up being an amazing place for me to practice leaning into FOMO and not knowing what decision was right and just trusting that I was where I needed to be and that I was making the right decision for myself. And that's an amazing gift. And yeah, there might have been some aspect of it that was comfortable just because there is so much going on that like, you're not like necessarily like missing out on something, and then you're, like, in a really bored place or whatever, but, I mean, you could be, or you could end up in a really bad place, I guess, like, mentally, emotionally, who knows, um, so that was a really valuable thing to me, and I would say with that, there was just a lot of presence, right, like, just really not connected to my phone, I definitely didn't have any data, um, I could get some text, And I wasn't really on any kind of like schedule. Like, you know, it just wasn't easy to do that there. And so I often was just really present. I just like bike around, see what I was called to. I'd meet people. Oh yeah, cool. Let's go sit and drink some tea. Or like, let's go walk around out to the temple. Or I'm just going to flow with what feels right. Um, And, you know, that kind of presence is something really hard for me to achieve with my really overactive mind. And I'm sure many people can relate. And so that's definitely a special gift of that place. Um, I would also say like overall, I just felt a lot of joy and lightness and play. I feel like the last years of my life have been really heavy. I've struggled a lot, with more negative thinking and just a lot of shit coming up as I've been in a pretty deep healing journey. And it's been feeling really good this year to start emerging out of that. I would say after um, earlier in the year when I went through that bit of a rough patch, I think that was the trigger for that transformation. Like I started to emerge out of that and um, feel just a lot lighter and things have shifted in my life in a really positive way since then, there's still a lot of heavy shit. (laughs) There's still a lot of stuff. There's still healing to do, but it feels like a really beautiful space of just feeling a lot more lightness and joy and play, and, and just more positive energy and happiness than I had been for the last couple years, which were just like, a lot of deep stuff and deep healing. And this is a really important thing, right? We can't be like in that deep excavation healing place all the time. We need time to integrate. And integration doesn't mean we have to be like super happy and joyful and I get to just play at Burning Man. Oh my God, it's like, it's just a place where we're just not necessarily going through all the deep muck for a little bit where we're able to integrate all that deep muck trucking that we had just done, and I'm starting to see how this relates to this year's Burning Man, actually, with all the mud that was there, um, so I would say, like, that has been a theme of my summer, and even spring, but, like, same thing at Shambhala, and same thing at my my trip in New Zealand and Australia, and, like, in between then for the summer, I've really just been grounded at home and working and enjoying the nature around here and community. And it's just like felt really light and joyful. And I know some people have really like intense experiences at places like Burning Man and go through deep grief or deep processing. And, um, I didn't have any of that really. I just had a lot of joy, like, and that felt really good. And it's really nice to just like lean into that for a little bit. So that was a beautiful thing. Trying to think if there was anything else just about my experience. I'm sure that there is. Um, I guess um, another thing that I recognized was um, being alone. Now, when I thought in the past about going to Burning Man, I guess I always thought I needed to go with a group, you know, or at least a, a buddy or a partner. And I did go and I camped with a couple, like three friends and I had a friend at a different camp who I rode down with and I had um, a whole group of friends at a a camp. So I I knew I wasn't going to be alone. I knew I could, you know, go connect with people, but I went also with the intention of just kind of doing my thing and connecting with those friends when it felt right, but otherwise doing my thing. And one of the first nights I just went out alone and I had the best Night. It was a sandstorm that night, but I went and found some great music and was just dancing and then biked along and found some other amazing music and was just dancing in my like fullest expression of dancing. Now, let me tell you, I love dancing. I love dance. I love dancing so much. Like, I'm constantly wanting to find like a regular dance class to go to. And the city I live in is really small and there's really not much. Um, but I love dancing so much. It's one of my favorite ways to express myself. I also really love music. Um, this is, I guess, something I probably don't talk about much, but I love going to live music. I love dancing. I love playing music, singing, playing guitar. And well, one thing I was really inspired by at Burning Man was I decided I wanted to learn how to DJ. (laughs) So we'll see when I'm able to actually make that happen. I was inspired to also create a lot of different jewelry and art um and things. So I'd like to engage in that. And that kind of brings me to another a topic of this summer um that I'm going to note and come back to. But um being alone was such a treat out there and I was like, wow, I used to travel solo all the time. Why did I think I wouldn't be able to do that here? Cause it's the same thing when you're traveling solo if you're out burning man solo you just meet more people you're just like more open and you also can just really be true to your own flow and what's calling to you and I loved that and I also love being able to connect with friends and adventure with them because that's also important and special but it was a great reminder of just that beauty of being alone and going out confidently into the world. And whether that world is Black Rock City, or whether that world is, you know, the mountains or some foreign country. And I've have found so much value from going and exploring on my own. And I'm really proud of myself for that, too. You know, there was just a lot of acknowledgement of like, wow, I feel like very confident in myself and who I am. I have a lot of self-love and compassion. I feel confident in my abilities to kind of navigate many different environments and situations. And it's really beautiful to recognize yourself for those things. Um, and really feel into that, and I thought that was a beautiful experience, so I will just say, if anybody listening to this has any um, call either towards, you know, going to Burning Man or traveling, and they feel like they can't do it alone, that's totally fine if that's not for you, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but if you feel a little bit called to that, please reach out to me, because I will encourage you, I just encourage another friend to continue her solo journey in Europe. She was scared. She'd never done that before. And she's been reporting me best thing she's ever done in her life. So I will encourage you personally (laughs) to go find that for yourself. Um, It's really special. So that was a really nice thing and reminder now the thing i wanted to circle back to was just this summer has been different for me so typically i spend a lot of time in the mountains i spend a lot of time outdoors in the past decade of my life i have put a lot of effort and energy into my outdoor pursuits this summer i have been in the mountains twice i did ski two volcanoes at the end of may and so that felt like summer but that's technically spring (laughs) i did hike Um, in New Zealand as well, like three hikes, which was amazing. Love the mountains in New Zealand. But it was winter there, so it just didn't feel like it. Since being home from New Zealand and Australia, mid-July onward, I have been in the mountains twice for two runs just for the day, which is wild to me. I've been, you know, on the water a bit more. I've been in the forest. I've been in the garden. But it's been kind of refreshing, I must say, because I really entered the summer without any objectives. Usually I have like things I want to do. I want to climb this mountain or do this traverse or ski this thing or whatever. And I had really no objectives going into the summer. And I thought that was really nice. I'd say during COVID, I got pretty focused on objectives and outdoor pursuits because I couldn't travel anywhere. And it was nice to be back in the North Cascades. And I was really inspired by everything. Um, And it was kind of nice to just be like, oh, I mean, I'd like to go on a backpacking trip, and that was about it, and it's also nice to, like, be like, wow, I've been in the mountains twice. I'm okay with that. It's, it is, like, for someone who has had a lot of FOMO around outdoor pursuits and mountain activity, it is extremely refreshing, and what have I done instead? Well, of course, I did that month down under, so that was a big chunk of the summer, um, But then I came back, I went to a festival. So it was just all about music, dancing, community, creativity. And then, you know, I was settled at home for a bit, really just in the garden. Loving the garden, loving the flowers, working on my business, creativity. That's all very much in alignment with creativity and goals and drive and focus and time with community here and friends and swimming and paddleboarding and just kind of enjoying things at a like more easeful slower pace and then I went to Burning Man again community creativity and so I'm feeling that like this sense of creativity that was such a big part of my life you know I used to be so deeply involved in theater and performance and music it's really it's been calling to me for many years but I've just haven't found a way to engage with it as I've been so hyper focused on outdoor pursuits, and so this summer has been interesting to see how like it's that's what's been calling to me is being with community and in a creative space and dancing and expressing myself that way and being you know with music and you know intentional spaces and so that has been an interesting thing to observe. And I do hope I get some mountain time and I do want to get at least one backpacking trip this summer and this, well, I guess we're going into fall. So, um, and I will say the winter becomes a really busy mountain time for me too. So I think it's all about achieving balance and I'm trying to achieve that. <sighs> so I think that's all I really have to share about my experience Um at least in that sense of Burning Man, I'm definitely inspired to go back, be more involved. Like I said, I'd like to learn how to DJ. I have a lot of uh, things I want to create. I'd like to teach workshops, and you know, hopefully do this with with other festivals as well, um, and just kind of continue taking that that culture and that. Um, sense of presence and connection with me into my daily life. But I definitely want to spend a moment to talk about, you know, kind of what happened this year with the rain and the mud and the media and, and all of that. And, you know, some of the negative aspects of Burning Man because there are, um, so the media definitely had a frenzy over Burning Man. Um, it did rain and it rained a lot more than is typical for that area. Now, it did rain the week before everyone was there during build week because of the hurricane. And so there was kind of already this like, okay, like there's some rain. Like, how's it going to look for the whole week? But the, the forecast looked really positive. So I think people prepared for rain because there had been some that week before, but no one really expected it to rain as much as it did. And of course, when it rains on the playa, that's this alkaline clay that just turns into this like crazy muck that just like totally sticks to your f- shoes. You can't bike around. You can't move a car around. Like it just, and then it builds like pounds of muck on the bottom of your foot. And you're just like really struggling to move around. It's not fun to move around in. Um, and yeah, it, it rained a lot. And I think that after that first night, there was a lot of concern about, you know, the forecast was showing that it was going to be raining again for like the next two days. And that was going to be like severely limiting people's ability to get out and limiting the ability for things to get in that could bring ice, water that could clean the porta potties, etc. So there was a genuine concern about how that might impact everything, and if people had to stay longer, what if they ran out of water, what if they ran out of food. But the way that the media jumped on it right away, calling it a humanitarian crisis, I heard rumors of Ebola, I heard rumors of the National Guard being called, or Biden being briefed on it, or whatever. Um, I don't know what of that was true. There's definitely no Ebola. I never saw the National Guard. I really don't know if they were called. It was not a humanitarian crisis. Okay. Um, it was some mud that prevented you from biking around and prevented cars from moving around. And the concerns were, yes, that the portos would be full and that the trucks couldn't get in and clean them. That was a definite concern. That was probably number one concern. Most everyone out there, some people do not come prepared, but most everyone out there is completely resilient and resourceful and have prepared to be totally self-reliant the whole time. Burners are very resourceful people and resilient people and everyone was taking care of each other and people continued to make the best out of it, whether they were gathering around a fire or hanging out with their campmates, having their own little dance parties or camps that were actually throwing parties and people could walk over and dance. It was really beautiful to witness, actually, how everyone was coming together. Now, this is just what I saw. Again, theres it's a huge city. Like, I don't know everything that was going on everywhere. People did try to drive out when they shouldn't have. They got stuck. I mean, you shouldn't have tried to drive out then. <laughs> I don't know. Um, at least the portos by my camp, they actually were able to be cleaned somehow. Um, I had enough water and food. There was plenty of food around that, like, people were supporting each other with. And people were still making the most of it. They put up Wi-Fi around so that if people needed to change their plans, they could. And really, at least for my plans, we were only delayed by one day. And I actually chose to stay a second day because I wanted to avoid any sort of lying out and I wanted to see the temple burn. So I was really only there two days longer. Things dried up in time for them to burn the man and have cars driving around the playa at night. Um, I think that was two days after the original burn. So things were delayed by two days, but people were able to get out the day before that if they really needed to. They had to wait in a pretty long line, which is pretty standard for that first exodus. But um, yeah, that's kind of what happened. I had people messaging me like, are you okay? You know, lots of concern. The media, oh man, I've never been on that kind of side of things where I've been in an experience and then seen what the media is saying and it's so inaccurate. So just want to express that. Um, It was annoying to move around in. I had to like ditch my bike somewhere else and then, you know, did a lot of different plastic bag sock combinations on my feet. Um my tent did break at one point, water gone in, didn't get anything, you know, wet. I learned a lot about building different shelters, tarps, shade structures. It's really good. Um, you know, for me, it was just like, oh, bummer. Like we can't go bike around. We can't, you know, there's not going to be art cars and biking around the playa, which was my favorite thing. And like, you know, sadness that I may not get to, you know, experience the full thing for my first year of like the man burning and the temple burning and whatnot. So that was my view of it. Other people might have different views, all right? Um, but from everyone that I talked to and witnessed, um, everyone made the most of it, and it was fine. and Everything turned out all right. I know that there's a lot of opinions and comments about like, oh, these are privileged, rich people in the desert. Boo-hoo, they got a little bit of rain. And, you know, I agree <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, but not everyone there is rich. Okay. (laughs) I'm definitely not rich. I'm privileged as a white person. Um, It's not all white people there, which is absolutely beautiful to see. And I think Burning Man will get better the more diverse it gets. And it seems like that is at least growing a little bit. But let's admit that, yeah, there's a certain level of privilege and financial stability to be able to make it to Burning Man. I mean, it's not cheap to get there. The ticket itself is a good chunk of money. But given that you're there for a week and everything you experience, I'm like, wow, that's actually a pretty good price. But then, you know, there's... If you join a camp, there's the camp fees. I didn't join a camp, so I didn't pay any camp fees. You know, there's vehicle passes, just like the driving, the gas, there's like all the things that it takes to get there. So, yeah, there needs to be a certain level of privilege or financial um, privilege to get there. Absolutely. Are there a lot of wealthy people going? Yeah, there are. There, like, There's kind of this whole thing around like the tech bros and how they're changing everything and the influencers. Did I see the influencers out there taking a lot of photos? Yeah, I did. But you know, you just don't pay attention to it. There's a variety of people out there. They're not all tech bros. They're not all wealthy people. They're not all white people. Is majority white? Yeah. So I do hope to see that change. Um, And is there definitely a privilege in getting there? Yes. I mean, it's an extra. It's not something anyone necessarily needs to go do. This is an an extra experience. Um, So just acknowledging that. um, Also acknowledging the environmental impact, right? I mean, there's a lot of focus on Leave No Trace, and I think the people who are true burners work really hard to make that happen. But are people, you know, our seventy plus thousand people living in a, a a hostile environment that they maybe shouldn't be. Yes, like are a big majority of them driving out there or flying in to get there. Yes, are there a bunch of generators being run so people can run AC in their RVs and you know camps can offer things and like art can be going all night and art cars. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's an environmental impact. Do they want to be carbon neutral by like, I think 2030? Yeah. Is that going to happen? I don't know. And I mean, this is just like a hard place to be because like, I just feel this every day when I choose to drive and I have a truck, you know, and I'm like, why the hell do I have a truck? Well, I, I got a truck cause I want to have a camper because that's a really big value of mine. And I think we just Feel this a lot, and is this unnecessary thing? Yeah, it is an unnecessary thing. But is it transformational and life giving and like healing for many people? Yes. So it's. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. It's. It's a hard thing, and it's something I consider too as being a part of it, and like you know, the the fuel to get there and everything it you start to wonder is this worth it and i mean it is worth it in many ways but you know are we being selfish so i don't know that's just something that i think about a lot with a lot of the choices i make and i think many people do and i mean are there's it's 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 a hard place to be and i don't necessarily know that i have much to say in terms of all of that here on this podcast now, but I just, as I'm talking about this experience and the beautiful aspects of it, I also want to talk about the not so beautiful aspects of it as well. Um, All right, well, I think that is all I'm going to share or can or feel like is coming up to share about Birdie man. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this, especially if you're someone who's been before, who've been, you know, interested in going. Um, Really just a little story time. And I um, appreciate you listening to my experience going to this thing in the desert. (laughs) And um, yeah, I hope to bring a lot of the beauty of what I did Gain there into my life and the inspiration, and I'm curious to see how it continues to unfold for me. Since returning, I got back just over a week ago. I will say I'm finally getting my energy back now, but I was absolutely exhausted and ravenous. I've been so hungry, (laughs) it's been insane. I usually will feel so hungry the day after, like, big push in the mountains or maybe after a big adventure in the mountains like I'll be pretty hungry the days following but I did not expect to be this hungry from Burning Man but I guess there was a lot of calories burnt biking around dancing walking around and um, probably like you just don't eat as much in the desert I think so my body has been catching up and let's be honest it's not a great thing for your body and your gut like sleep isn't the sleep schedules off like you know, the eating is all right. Um, But I guess one thing that I'm continuing to come, like really be um, happy about right now is that I just, my gut has felt the best it's ever felt right now. It feels so resilient and I'm able to eat and do things that I think in the past would have like totally knocked me off. And it's so lovely to be in that place I just feel really good in my body after many years of not many, 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 many years of not like decade over a decade. So this is my reminder to you. I'm going to leave you with this. It takes consistent effort. Unfortunately, like gut healing, nervous system healing, even trauma healing. It takes a while that doesn't mean we can start to feel better and see improvements, but to like, you know, there's we often have this place that we're imagining of like, I can't wait till I just like feel like this. And I've worked on it so much and I wasn't always doing the right thing and that was part of my learning and that's, you know, hopefully what I'm here to help you all with is to, so you don't necessarily have to go make all the same mistakes that I did. But... um when I look back at it all now, I'm like, wow, it took me being just really consistent with things for a long period of time before I got to this place. And I think about that, like a client who's like, oh yeah, I started taking this supplement, but I'm not noticing anything different. I'm like, well, you've taken one round of it. Like I had to be really consistent with certain supplements for a long time before I really started to feel how they were positively impacting me or with my nervous system work, or with lifestyle changes, or even with diet in the past, or with certain protocols. And sometimes some of those things were pretty immediate, and that's always really nice and exciting. But overall, this has been a long journey of just being consistent and consistently showing up and loving on my body and committing to my healing. It hasn't looked perfect it's been a lot of different things but this is not an overnight thing and i know that can be really disappointing to hear but it's the truth but then once you are consistent it really becomes sustainable to the point like where i'm at now where i feel so much more flexibility and freedom with what I can do with my diet and my body and everything and still like feel resilient and good in my gut brain. And resiliency is truly, 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 truly the goal, whether it is building resiliency in our nervous system so that we're able to face the stressors of life and not be totally knocked into dysregulation or a trauma response, you know, facing the symptoms that we might have flare up and not be totally mentally, emotionally derailed into despair and helplessness, building resiliency in our microbiome. So we might take a round of antibiotics because we have to because we get an infection, but we know that we're going to bounce back and our gut's going to be okay. Or we're going through a period of stress, but we know our microbiome is going to be okay because it's been it's been built to be resilient right? So when it comes to like, what is true healing? True healing is building resiliency in your entire system, your entire gut brain system, your nervous system, and your gut and your microbiome. So that is the goal. And that is the ultimate goal of the gut brain healing toolkit. So I'm just going to mention that now as it's coming up. I've been redoing videos and rearranging and upgrading the program. And my goal is to have it open within the next month or in a month. So if you're interested, head on down to the show notes. There's a link to get on the wait list because I'm going to offer a spot to those on the wait list first with a special uh, discount. So that's the best place to be if you're all interested in being supported to build the most resiliency in your gut brain and truly heal in that way. Thank you so, so much for being here and listening to this kind of random episode about Birdie Man, but nothing is totally random because it's all interwoven (laughs) in in, uh, what I'm teaching here on the podcast and what I'm experiencing in my life. So thank you so much for listening to this. We'll be back with continuation of the Travel Story series. I appreciate you all so much. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.